For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. I listened to Keaton Turner's, I love that one. Yes. Very like OG, and he was definitely not in here um, no, recording, well, but I love that podcast so much. But you can definitely ta- tell the difference between sound then and sound now. So I applaud you. I think <laughs> I did Keaton's like when I was in my apartment in Arizona. So I just had my little setup, and I would just call someone on my phone, and it would Bluetooth into the setup. I'd hit the record button. There's your podcast. Yep. And then, uh, funny enough, Keaton is going to come back on the podcast. Yeah, he's where we lured him to Nashville. It was supposed to be supposed to be next week. It yeah. just got rescheduled to the beginning of January. You yeah. think he was busy? Uh, yeah, it's like he has something something going on something. or something like that. <laughs> Not a busy man at all. He's doing the business, but yeah, that'll be. It's interesting. A lot of the original people we had on will probably have on again at some point because it's just a different different deal and they're have grown like whatever they're doing probably a ton since then too Correct. you know oh, yeah. for sure like yeah i'm you catch me a year from now and i'll probably tell, be telling you something totally different you know that's the fun of it yeah well hopefully sure. you are yeah if you're, te- if you're saying the same thing it's like well what the hell have you been doing for a year yeah like dylan i had him on he was first his business is over twice the size yeah, well, he's like, his story is so much different now. Yeah. Just because of, you know, the way the world is now versus whenever you started. And the podcast now, it's a little less about, okay, Anna, so uh, like, where'd you start out? Tell me yeah. your story. It's more so just kind of shooting the poop wherever it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have anybody working for you? Yeah. Um, I have a couple of people working for me, a sales guy and then a service guy and then... I have a little network of folks sort of all over that help me with service work. Sure. So, yeah. So, and you got your sales guy a little bit ago. It was like maybe a year ago. So he started in September. So right smack, right smack dab in the middle of COVID. And then he had a non-compete. So he came from like 15 years of, of experience in sewer storm utility. Really? Uh, started off as like a nozzle salesman and then sold vacons, which is a vacuum truck manufacturer and sort of moved his way through. So I hired him in hopes that he would obviously know a lot more than me. <laughs> and um, he's older than me. And uh, he's he's just, he's a, a great personality, but uh, just a great guy. Great guy. Um, but 
he's he's out of his non-compete and he's he's happy to be sort of wheeling and dealing now. He's doing very well. Sure. Yeah. So. Non-competes are a funny thing because like you you want to you want to do the right thing. You want to be like, no, nah, I won't do it. But they're also, I think they're super lame. It, they are absolutely. I mean, they re, they restrict you for you know people specialize in this stuff for a reason, and you know you, you it's natural to move throughout the industry, right, and to find something different. What's really interesting about him is that you know you talk to him and you think, oh, he's been in the business for fifteen years, like he's going to be bitter, he's going to be this, he's going to be that. But like I sat him down and talked to him last week, and he's like, I'm. He was like, I literally feel like a kid in a candy a candy store because yeah. I'm I feel the same things that I felt when I first started, and it's 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 different. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I hope that's the environment that that I brought you into and the product lines and all that stuff. But it's just it's so cool to see someone like that and to sort of feel that energy all over again. When you're selling something, you can only really you can you can you can. Be kind of effective if you don't really like what you're selling. But if you really like what you're selling, if you're really stoked on it, you can kick ass. Oh, I mean, you've heard me talk about Gapex yeah. for as, you know, as long as I've known you and I geek out over it. But I was so fortunate because, you know, you guys, the rental industry, most of the time rental guys are, are dealers. So they sell that particular product and that's what they have to rent. If you're a cat dealer, you're renting cat equipment. Yeah. I was so fortunate to be in a part of a rental company that we could buy anything we wanted. We weren't a dealer. So I got to test everything. You know, I was the one fielding the calls that was like, hey, you know, this is what we're having issues with this. You know, also drive it like you rent it. No one treats rental equipment well at all. Yeah. You know, so it's people were tearing stuff up on purpose, basically. And when we started introducing this product in the, into the fleet, it changed everything. You know, cost of ownership, operator downtime. I mean, it, it, was, it was blatantly obvious to the books and it was blatantly obvious to even salesmen and mechanics phone calls. Sure. So, I mean, I, you know, I, that sounds like a sales pitch, but I say it and it's, I mean, it proved it. So, you know, I couldn't be more stoked about it. And I, and I think that that does exude. Um, that's probably something that he gets super excited about as well. Yeah. As you know, we've all dealt with different products in our lifetime that we probably weren't so happy with. So that's how you officially or, or originally found Gapbacks? Yeah. In the rental business. Yeah. They, they literally, you know, when you're, when you're in that position <clears throat> as a non-dealer equipment rental company, you know, everybody wants your business, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I think for a long time, our owner was like, you know, let's try this product. It was really expensive. It's, it's mm, at, the, at the top of market price for sure. Yeah. More of a boutique style um, custom equipment manufacturer. And um, introduced into the fleet, finally got our hands on, on some stuff. And um, just, we were like blown away. And it all goes back to the mechanics too. We, you know, whatever the mechanics are saying, it's like, you got to go with it. Whatever the operators are saying, you got to go with it. You you can't deny it at a certain point. What were you with a big rental company or small? So when I started Local. with a company called Vac to Go, um, I started. We had about thirty trucks. That's it. So anything from air machines to um, combo trucks, which is what I deal with a lot. Yeah, jet backs, yeah. basically. Um, liquid backs. 
So a little bit more diverse than what I sell now. We had 30 trucks. I think it was like 32 trucks. First truck I rented was SCV-19. Um, and we got to 200 trucks in like three years Holy after smokes. that. Yeah. So it was a, a vacuum truck rental business. Vacuum truck rental and high pressurized water blaster. Can you, can you explain what the hell a vacuum truck is? Because once I, I, I honestly didn't know what they were. And growing up, you'd see them around. And I remember my mom saying, like, that, that, that thing sucks up poop. <laughs> Which, uh, there's some truth to that. There is it, some truth to it. It can suck it. up poop. It yeah. can suck up whatever. Yeah. Um, but then I saw them at work for the first time when I started in the construction industry. We were daylighting and trying to figure out where some utilities were. And I was like, whoa, so that's how that thing works. Yeah. What, what the hell does a back truck do? So there's a lot of different types of vacuum trucks. Um, you can go from like the septic side, which is just a totally different world, like mm-hmm. plumber world. And then the industrial side sort of starts with what we call a liquid vacuum truck, which is basically like a vein pump that vacuums like straight liquid. You see them rolling down the road, like t- it advances up into like tankers. Um, next level, I would say, would be like a big air machine. So like, you know, coal plant, you know, vacuuming dry material, power outages, like sort of the everyday truck is is an air machine. So like that would be like a guzzler. Gavex makes makes an HV. Um, so it vacuums at, you know, 27 inches of mercury. It will literally suck your arm off if you accidentally like, you know, put your hand under there yeah. um, and vacuums dry material. And then like my industry, they all have water pumps around them uh, or on them. A jet vac essentially Jets, a sewer, a storm line, culvert, whatever it may be, and then vacuums at the same time. So you have a nozzle, and then you have, you know, then it vacuums the poop, per se. Yes. Next level, what, you know, the yellow iron people are so interested in um, is is hydroexcavation because it's, you know, there's fiber under the ground, there's, you know, gas lines, water lines, whatever. Like, there's, that's not going to stop. Stuff is going to keep getting put in the ground, whether yeah. you like it or not. Well, it's all rated at a certain pressure. You hit it with a with an excavator, you're done for, right? You hit a gas line, you're in a lot of trouble. So a hydro excavator essentially excavates safely with water at about 2,500 pounds of pressure, um, preventing any sort of kaboom. Yeah, it's uh, so when you, and for people that don't know, when you're, say, you're putting in a new water line down a street, you're going to call locates and they're going to say, well, there's a gas line right here. We're pretty sure, but not 100% sure. So then some guy comes out and they draw like a little square in the asphalt, mm-hmm. maybe like a one by one square. And then they have a little water nozzle. That's that 2,500 PSI mm-hmm. water coming out of it. And then you have a gigantic vacuum and you just suck up whatever you're moving out with the water until you find the gas line, ideally, and then you paint it on the paint it on the road saying, hey, there's a gas line for sure right here, three and a half feet down. Yep. Yep. You expose it and makes everybody happy. It's pretty slick. It's it's super slick. I mean, some of those nozzles will cut through railroad ties. I mean, if you need to turn yeah. it up, like you need you <laughs> can turn it up. But uh, I mean like I I sell pumps for guys that are, you know, 14 GPM at 4,000 PSI. I mean, ideally, you're not going to be running it at that. But if you have to and you know you're in the clear, they'll rip for sure. Well, the the sign out in our front area there, the Buildwood sign, that was cut on a water jet table. Hmm. So it's, I mean, they cut solid steel 
with it all the time. It's pretty wild. So what's a what's a combo truck? A combo truck is like what you guys would see, like the elephant trunk. Yes. Municipalities yes. have them with a big hose reel on the front. Um, so they have like 600 feet of, of hose on the front and then the big elephant truck, the trunk that goes down into the manhole. And what's it for? Is it for? Jetting, sewer, and storm. That's it. Cleaning, cleaning sewer, and storm. Yep. Now, like, I sell a truck, or Gapvax builds a truck that you can put, like, an additional hydro excavation pump on mm-hmm. the truck and, and dig separately. Um, the idea is that when you have a big 80-gallon-a-minute pump on a truck and you're necking it down to that little nozzle that's 10 gallons a minute, you're obviously overheating water and lots of other things. And so we do, like, a secondary pump for digging um, where, yeah, you can do, like, minor potholing and things like that, repairing water main breaks or water leaks, whatever. So, When you say cleaning out sewer and storm, why do you need to clean out sewer and storm? Got to keep the toilets flushing. Sure. That's the basic answer. Yeah. Yeah. People don't get that. Like, I'm the one who's like, don't flush the, the wipes down. Like, it's a, you see them down there and they really just <laughs> hang out. Like, these stories are real. Uh-huh. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that's 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 the basic answer. I wish that people, you know, knew knew that and would recognize that. It's yeah. like, you know, you don't you don't understand why or how the you flip the light switch and it comes on like, you know. Um, let's take You just expect that. You just yeah. expect it mm-hmm. and you don't realize you really don't realize how it happens, but Well, you you flush the toilet and from that point on, not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> If your whole neighborhood backs up, it's very much your problem. It's very much your problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the, that's a basic function of life. You know, people don't get that. And they see, so, makes me so mad. But like, you have these guys out there like working away in the middle of the streets and, um, you know, they're like, you know, pe- patrons come out and they're like, oh, it's so smelly. Get that truck away. <laughs> Get that truck away. And I'm like, I don't think you understand. You caused this. Yeah, this, is this is your problem. <laughs> so, like, you're talking shit about your, your own shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um, they're, they're not bringing it out here to get yeah, to put down. No, they're getting rid of it. You're yeah. trying to help you, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 I, I think most people, never think twice about they flush the toilet it disappears it's just like magic that's it yeah so it'll be you sell these trucks primarily to municipalities municipalities and contractors that work for municipalities um utility sector now i like have a little bit of a variation in my product line where i like sell i can sell the big hydro excavators and like the air machines so like vacuum dry material which is more coal paper mill you know your big contractors and stuff but yeah i would say my customer base has really shifted more towards municipalities as opposed to contractors and that was i knew it would be a natural shift but i obviously my my network of people came from the contracting side and rentals so um do municipalities rent equipment they just buy everything everything yeah you know i sort of wish that they would yeah um but no because the process is just so slow God bless. Uh, that's <laughs> that's that's my issue with municipalities. It's just a little bit slow. But I mean, when they're when they're ready to spend, they're ready to spend. So it's it's nice. But how did you get into the whole rental thing to begin with? So I don't know if I've told you this before. I was in construction staffing before. 
I did not know that. Mm. I was really? the one, yeah. I was the one that would like tromp on to construction sites like and and try to sell like anything from general labor to skilled labor and that was interesting. So you in would beginning. you would just show up at construction sites? Yeah, and find a superintendent. No shit. Guts. Really? And I was <laughs> I mean prior to that I was I mean I'm a relatively shy person when you have me in environments that I like talking about vacuum trucks then yeah. I'll talk yeah. you know, I'm extroverted but as far as um like learning how to really have guts like that's but that is what taught me to have guts <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i had to or you would fail literally and um realized i like the construction industry pretty quickly and then met the owner of Vactigo just completely randomly and was a startup i sort of was like oh my god like vacuum trucks they're in they're like this is environmental you know just the the range of of things that they did you know on working on power plants like environmental you know the environmental side nuclear i was like man this is a whole different world of just fun like i was it just like i i don't know it it caught my attention very quickly just put it that way sure and uh yeah it just it went from there How'd you get a job with a construction staffing company to begin with? It was just randomly? Um, I met her, the owner of the company in Charleston, and actually <laughs> sold her a piece of, like I posted a piece of furniture online and hmm. sold her a piece of furniture. And she was like, she was like, would, would you want, would you be interested in like, you're like, I like you. Like, would you be interested in coming to work for me? I was actually looking to move to Charlotte and we had been talking about, you know, where she, where she worked, where she's from, all that stuff. And, um, just sort of hit it off. And I was like, yeah, I'll at least like look at it. Um, but, uh, yeah, basically just sort of explored around, you know, there was, obviously some time in between that where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I think I'm too shy for, for construction, but um, yeah, it worked out. What, so you'd, you'd walk onto a job site. Like how would that play out? I mean, quite literally it was a function of driving up to the job site, obviously with PPE and I mean, you had to be, decked out and respectful of everyone and not just like walking in the way of equipment. So there's an art to that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, to a degree, there were some connections there that, you know, sort of spilled over and you would say, Hey, like, is it okay if I come and talk to you today or or whatever? But I mean, sometimes it was like a straight cold call, like walking onto a job site. I mean, we did some sort of crazy stuff. Like we would like, I would like hop fences and stuff. Like it was not like, (laughs) there were times where, (laughs) You know, it, was, it got a little rogue, but um, I actually had downtown Charlotte for part of my territory, or uptown, I guess is what they call it. Uh, and the higher profile ones are the ones where you're like, oh my God, like, do here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, like I said, you know, it's, you get used to that and you get used to the adrenaline of, of sort of, you know, really going anywhere, like being able to go anywhere and talk to anyone you like had to. And so it sort of sparked that like, okay, there's a shorter road to the top 
mm-hmm. than I actually thought that there was. And the the owner of Back to Go was very good about that. I mean, as a startup for him, like switching over into the rental side, um, he just he taught us that like this is a startup. You get like you are the space between getting to that next customer. Sure. So um did you get told to get fucked every once in a while? You know, I don't think I ever got like kicked off of a job site. Luckily, that I makes, was like, I was pretty us. like <laughs> I, in staffing at least. Like, I, I was pretty <laughs> like aware of what was going on. Like, yeah. I was, I tried to be as respectful as possible because I knew that, like, especially if they didn't know me, I knew that, like that that was sensitive. But maybe I did like once or twice, but not nothing too dramatic. So in in college, I used to do that a lot where if there was a construction project I wanted to go see, I would drive up to the job trailer, go into the job trailer and ask for the superintendent, yeah. whoever it was. Or yeah. in Arizona, at least, you'll have these um, like permit signs on the fences out front for air quality. I think yeah. it, I think they're required to have the air quality permit Interesting. on the fence. And they'll always have whoever's in charge of that job site, usually the superintendent, poor bastard, they'll have a cell phone number on the sign out front of the job site. So I would either walk into the job trailer or just call that number on the sign and be like, hey, I'm just a kid in college, like what you're doing, would love to see it at some point. Yeah. And most of the time it worked out pretty well. I mean, they they ultimately, they needed me. Yeah. You know, they needed yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. They needed yeah. workers. And so like once you sat down and showed interest in what they were doing and talked about the project or talked about the pictures of their daughters on the wall. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Kids so. are kids are a very good topic. Yeah, to, that's, for sure. I've learned that's very good territory to wade <laughs> yep. into because yep. everybody loves talking about their kids. <laughs> this is so funny. I had a friend who was very, very good at what she did, but she always said, like, when I was, like, big and pregnant and I would, Trump on these construction sites, like they would just let me in with open arms, like all the equipment would move out of the way. Like I sold more than I ever did when I was pregnant. But yeah, there's just like such a connection there. So yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so you went re- equipment rental. At what point did you come? Ac- I know you said you were talking about Gapbacks a little bit. You started to see their product, high class stuff. Uh, when did you leave the rental world to go into the whole Gapbacks world full time? So I started AQIP October of 2018. Okay. So um, like pretty shortly thereafter working, I mean, I worked at back to go for a few years and then, you know, all of these sort of external things started going on. Like, you know, you, I was, I was more of like an industry gal back then, like, you know, and you, you create a, a, a much bigger network and then you get sort of, like the external validation of like, okay, hey, you can do this or you can ha- you have the opportunity here. But to start an equipment dealership, I was just like, wow, that's a lot. Like, I don't, like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, so just, I don't know if that's me. And plus it, it, you know, in my mind, it sort of like limited me to, to that territory. But I mean, there's no way in the world I would, I would change it. You know, sure. when I first started it, I was like, oh, I don't know what I just got myself into. You well, how, how'd that opportunity present itself in the first place? Cause that's a, that's a pretty big deal. You're going from, what was your job at the rental company? I was sales. So I was like 
an RSM and then director of sales. So like sales manager, director of sales at a rental company, you've helped it scale from 30 to 200 something trucks, which is pretty cool. But then you're, the opportunity presents itself where you start a, a, an equipment dealership from scratch, which doesn't happen very much. So how'd that, how'd that come about? I mean, God, there's so many answers to this. Um, you know, I, I think that it was a function of like just networking and and loving the industry and and just being surrounded by those people that sort of thought I could do it. Like it, it, there was there sort of a once in a lifetime opening for a territory mm-hmm. um, for a vacuum truck dealership because my competitors, if you look at my competitors, those companies are. 50 years old, you yeah. know, I think maybe the, maybe the youngest company is, is 30 years, 30 years old. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it really sort of was luck to be honest. It was, and Gapax was looking for dealerships. I had a, the camera line, the little robots that go down and inspect the pipes, mm-hmm. had an opportunity there and just things started falling into place. And I was like, <laughs> it almost backed me up against the wall because I was like, I, I have to take this. Like, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. And got lucky and just boots to the ground. Went out there and did it, I guess, you know? What was, what was the decision like? Was it quick or was it three months of thinking on it? It was... It was a little bit of a push here and there by a particular person or another particular person over here. It was like, oh, I have this opportunity and here's a little ding. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, no, this is not going to happen. I think when, because Proteus was actually my first product on, I think when Gapvax came around the corner and they were like, we're, we're interested in you starting this dealership is where I was like, Okay. Like there's enough external validation, right? Sure. For me to be like, okay, these people actually have faith in me. I know I can do it. I know the product line well. Uh, I love the product line. And yeah. So you were selling the cameras. Were you doing the cameras while you had a job? So no, you'd quit. I quit completely. I went I quit cold turkey. I knew that I knew like my personality is just like, there's no way I could have been working on the side and then selling cameras. I knew that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, sort of a no backup plan type personality. Um, I knew that that had to happen in order for me to succeed. And so I just. Quit. These cameras are, are pretty slick. I've seen them. We work with, or we, yeah, we work with the company quality enterprises and then Earthview. In Florida, they're out of Naples. So Earthview, they do uh, daylighting, they do ground penetrating radar, and then they have these camera trucks. So it's this freaking like Mercedes Sprinter van or whatever it is with an office inside of it. So it'll be some dude looking at computer screens with like an office chair. I mean, just full on office inside of this little Sprinter van. Then you open up the back and they have the little camera that with the little crane that comes out and lowers the lowers the little guy down into the <laughs> sewer or whatever it is. And it's this little, it's just this cute little thing. It's yeah. this little, it looks like Wally almost. This camera on wheels, super expensive camera on Very wheels. Very expensive. That you put yeah. into sewers. Yep. Yep. It literally like goes, it's, it's a, it is a robot. There's a lot of cool motor torque. All I mean, it is super high tech. I mean, the camera head itself, they're normally like, 20 or 25 grand, just, yeah. just the camera head. 
Um, I mean, they're going in really, really vulnerable environments, right? It's so they have to be tough, but you always you also have to realize there's electronics in there that has to be protected. You know, it's it, there's a lot of things. Do they um, float? They they don't float. Now there are like accessories that you can add that you can attach a camera head and they can float down like a larger flow pipe. Sure. Um, but and you can submerge them. They're designed oh. to be submerged, right? But they're just not designed to swim. <laughs> but usually in a sewer line, it's not full. It's not like a pressurized line. So every sewer line is gravity fed. Uh, it's not under pressure. So you'll have only a small percentage of the pipe ideally has any kind of liquid in it whatsoever. Well, technically, like NASCO is kind of like the um, OSHA, like the WJTA. Like they control like surveying pipes, like coating and things like that. So like they're regulated and you can only like drop down in a pipe if they're like, I think I can't remember the percentages, but it has to be a per- certain percentage like clean in order for the inspection to get classified as complete or legible essentially. So, so what, 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 explain the purpose of these cameras driving through pipes. What, what, why do that? So, I mean, just, you know, you have to clean the pipes obviously with the big jet trucks, but the idea is that you pair the vacuum truck with the camera system. If the pipe, if you don't know that the pipe is clean or not, or we, then th- what good did you just do? Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it's literally to go down and say, Hey, like this one looks great. Um, you know, it's clean or it can be, okay, we found a protruding tap that we need to go in and cut out. We found, um, you know, a blockage. We found this, we actually didn't clean it all the way. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll go on job sites and even just from an equipment standpoint to to watch nozzles and, you know, make sure they're cleaning appropriately. You know, you can chase the the nozzle with the camera and actually like view what you are, what mm. you're cleaning. So that's, um, it's it's got to be clean, but you got to prove it. It's, so, all this stuff It is we just talked about, so taken for granted and it's a very thankless job. No one's going to say, thank you, my toilet flushes. <laughs> but as soon as your toilet doesn't flush, people are like, why isn't my toilet flushing? This yeah. is kind of a problem. Yeah. It's a very, it's just a, it's like a job no one knows even exists. No, and there's there's so many factors there. You know, there's new pipelines, there's old pipelines. I mean, like mm-hmm. I've I've seen pipes like with wood on the side of them from yeah. like 150 years ago yeah. like under railroads at power at power plants like people don't realize that you know you take downtown new orleans for instance like yeah those pipes have been there for a couple hundred years mm-hmm. and that might be the reason why your toilet is clogging up and then on top of that you're adding new infrastructure and you know the roads are settling or or whatever it may be and there's just there's just so many problems out there to identify and let me tell you it does not look good under there yeah. For the most part, like we have, we have infrastructure problems under, under the ground for sure. And that, that's the crazy thing is you start digging these things up and start seeing what these pipes look like. Hmm. You'd think, oh, everything's good to go. We're yeah. looking good. Oh, I, I've seen some of these old water lines, sewer lines, storm lines. They are a completely, completely obliterated. Oh yeah. Done for. And some of the water lines, some of the, you'll cut open a water line. Pretty disgusting. Well, I mean, you even have, yeah, I mean, sewer and storm sometimes run together. Like, yeah, combined sewer. Yeah. Like, just stuff that, again, no one thinks about yeah. and has to be taken care of. 
There's a, a there's a particular route I run a lot of times in my neighborhood, and you'll go past where the storm drain inlets are, and it smells like very strongly like sewage. Yeah. So it's either combined or there's a problem somewhere. Oh yeah. But I've it's, I've smelled sewage to know it's <laughs> it's not it's not as bad of a smell as you'd think it is. <laughs> no. It, it, it's just like, it smells like sewage. I don't I don't know how to describe it other than it just... Well, it's so funny. Like, you know, you, my friends like always laugh at me now because I'm sort of, I've sort of like trained them to like notice things like this. But like <laughs> you walk out of a restaurant and you're like, oh my God, it smells like sewer. Like they yeah. need something's wrong with that line, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> there's definitely a unique like sort of, okay, I think that might be a problem. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, got to... Got to respect the sewer folks, that's for sure. Well, we uh, we work at the company Sargent Corporation up in Maine, and there there's a big project they're doing in Portland right now. It's combined sewer outflow elimination. So they have all of the the sewer lines and all the old houses downtown Portland. They all drain right into the same stormwater line, and so all of that water is typically treated at the wastewater treatment plant. But when it rains. The the it it outpaces what the wastewater treatment plant can take in. Yeah. So it it outflows into the bay or mm-hmm. river. Yeah. And they're building these big multi-million gallon tanks underground. And so there's these monster, basically concrete boxes that'll be under a soccer field. You won't even know they're there to contain all of this stormwater runoff and sewage during a rain event so that afterwards the wastewater treatment plant can Treat it all. Everywhere right now. I mean, there's apparently like a big project going on in Louisville that is, Louisville, yeah, Louisville that is yeah. just, it's insane, but you just, you don't hear about it. No one wants to keep that stuff hush hush. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Another one of our partners was involved in the Louisville one. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently that's a crazy project. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. It's, so. uh, yeah, sewage, it's such a, it's such a weird deal. So you were, um, so you're selling these little cameras buzz about down. and the interesting thing too is about cameras you're talking about cleaning because that's the world you're in but a lot of municipalities require that when you when you put in a new sewer line or right. storm line mm-hmm. they require camera footage of that yep. whole line yeah you have i mean you can even you know measure the inclination you're like you know if someone goes in and, and lays pipe in a new neighborhood or whatever and they want to see if they have the pipe on the correct grade and you can measure with these little guys too. So, um, yeah, I mean, it ranges from new construction all the way up mm-hmm. as to what they can do. And it's only becoming more and more common, isn't it? Oh, I mean, it's it's not going anywhere. It's yeah. it's literally only going up. I can just, even from me starting three years ago, I can I can see the difference. You have you have so many bigger companies. Um, you know, I can think of of one company, for instance, down in Augusta. They're a really great customer of mine. You know, they they started off in sort of this nuclear power plant, you know, dry vac work, and and you know, they're seeing this whole new civil division where you know, hey, now we have we know we have to go in and do all this. We know we have to have sewer trucks. We know mm-hmm. we have to have cameras. Like this is how the vacuum truck industry is expanding. Hydro excavation is obviously a huge one. That one's going to be, that industry is insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's no stopping it, and and people are half they have to shift that way. Well, it's know? a yeah, it's a good interest industry to be in because having a vac truck come out in in daylight for you, for example, that's a lot cheaper than hitting a gas line. 
Google Fiber. It, <laughs> One of those guys. So you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. Google's coming after you. Yeah. I mean, it's it, uh, you hit a fiber line, and sometimes it's thousands, tens of thousands of dollars every single minute that thing's down. And they're not quick to fix a fiber line. So it'll be down, you know, for hours, days. That's millions of dollars in fines. It's, yeah, like I said, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's literally, they're, you know, some of these yellow iron guys, and you see it already, um, will be forced to own hydro excavators just yeah. because, you know, the, the ground is literally being filled every single day with something that's foreign that could possibly, you know, injure someone or screw up a whole neighborhood or, you know, people are losing a lot of money if you don't have one. Sure. So. I, most of the companies I know now have them. Yeah. It's just, it's become standard. Oh yeah, they have to. So you, um, you start a dealership from scratch. How the hell does that work? This question a lot. Um, I mean, as far as like funding goes, I mean, that's, you obviously need a good bit of capital to like start an equipment business. I will say I was, I was really limited on funds. Um, started off with, with savings and, a little bit of money from um, just like, you know, family stuff. But it, I mean, it got me by for maybe six months. I knew that I needed to sell a piece of equipment. And, you know, the margins are good on equipment, um, especially when you're running super, super lean. And was pretty, pretty lucky out of the gate to sell, to have some equipment hit the ground pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and numbers grew, you know, looked pretty good on paper and now it's, you know, you get to that three-year marker. I mean, you know, when you get to the three-year marker is when people really start to look at you. Um, You know, social media is good for that now too because it's like, okay, all these banker guys are watching the GapVax page. Like how many trucks is Aquip like filing out of there? So, you know, I, I, I get calls from bankers all the time and, you know, obviously being that I work with construction folks and, um, you know, those guys are getting financing it's not just the municipality so i'll you know have an enjoyable time with some of these bankers and they'll be like well what about you you know so um it's a struggle i mean you know like getting capital is 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 certainly not easy and this business is insanely expensive to be you know to start but i started with very minimal (laughs) very very minimal people would probably be like you're freaking crazy it, doing what you did. Well, it is pretty crazy to to. I mean, a dealer, like it, to build a dealership from nothing. That's that's pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, I don't look at it as not as like. I mean, yeah, I think some people would say you had nothing, but I don't. I don't really look at it that way. It's I literally had had it not been for the network of people that I had sort of acquired and. You know, you have this person here and this person there and 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 this bout of knowledge here and this person who's been in the business for for 50 years saying, do it, do it, do it. And you have all these resources who are humans and knowledge. And um, like, I looked at it as, okay, like, what do you have to lose? Like, I, I literally had nothing to lose. Yeah. So. How old were you when you started the company? I was... Oh, I was 30. Yeah, that's, I mean, at that point, there's not a whole lot to lose. No. Pretty wild, though. Yeah, it was wild. Um, so, by being a dealer for GapVax, are you the only person in your territory that sells new GapVax equipment? Yeah, so I am 
the Carolinas and Georgia, um, soon to be soon to be Georgia. Actually, that's that's right. Why I took the leap to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're in Atlanta now. Yep. I no longer live across the street. Well, I knew that, <laughs> but for whatever reason, I thought you were over in Charlotte. No. Well, my shop is in Charlotte. Yes. Yeah. My that's shop why, is in Charlotte. Well, my sh- it's technically Rockville, South Carolina. I don't yeah. want to pay those North Carolina yeah, taxes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like <laughs> a stone's throw from Charlotte. Yeah. I mean, roughly. It's greater Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when did you get the shop? Not too long ago. Maybe a year and a half ago? I think I've had it for a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's in a great spot. It's down by the Blanchard Cat Mac dealership. Mm. Exit 73 off of 77. Oh, yeah. Mm. Got old exit seventy three rolls off the yeah. tongue. Yeah. yeah, it's a dream, really. It's exit a dream. It's one hell of an exit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and that space, you pretty much—it's just—it was an empty shop when you got it. Yeah, they had—they completely gutted this great little shop, um, and like pretty much set it up however I wanted it to. Added big bay doors and. Got a pretty good bit of real estate in the as like the backyard there, and so plenty of room to park vacuum trucks. Yeah, so. and that's where do you service? Are you servicing trucks out of there now? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we have. Here's the thing about Gatbacks. <clears throat> here's the thing that I can't tell my customers all the time because they're like, "You're full of shit." Yeah. But you know, obviously, three years in business, you got a fair amount of like new equipment on the ground. You don't really have a lot of things breaking per se. Um, the Gatbacks product, I will say, like knock on wood a little bit. I, I do wish that it broke a little bit more, to be honest. <laughs> it's a little, it's like, a little too good. It's a little too good. And that's, it's, that's a problem. It's a little bit of a problem. So like, I mean, I'm ready for the equipment to get some age on it. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's, that's a hard salary to pay when you don't have a lot of stuff breaking. Mm-hmm. And my customers love to hear that. And they mm-hmm. get that once they've had them for a couple of years. And they're like, oh, I've only spent, you know, $5,000 on this truck in, yeah. in three years. And, you know, they start looking at, at paper and, you know, the back end of things. And they're like, okay, it's worth me paying a little bit more for this truck because, holy crap. Sure. Saving a lot of money. Um, but, but yeah, I wish that, wish that broke more. Well, and that's, I mean, at least speaking traditionally, that's where dealers make a lot of their money. Mm-hmm. They're uh, like, you look at in a traditional equipment dealer, I don't know about you guys, but the, the money made on a, a sale of machine is pretty minimal a lot of yeah. times. Uh, it's when people like me roll their machines over at 17 hours mm-hmm. and it needs a full, you know, twelve thousand dollar whatever it is overhaul. <laughs> that that's, <what> that was. <laughs> that's where they make their money. <laughs> and that that like that that was they didn't make any money selling the machine to me, but that's when it really comes into play. And not yeah. just stupid people doing stupid things like me, but machines mm-hmm. as they go on in hours and time, they start to break more. That's yeah. just how it works. That's how it works. Yeah. I mean, you look at just you know. Look at a car dealership, right? You see this lot and it's like all these cars, whatever. But then you like, you have the lobby or whatever, the nice, pretty like glass windows. Mm-hmm. But then you like, you ride down the road and you're like, holy crap. They probably spent $10 million on this service facility. Yeah. Like that's where they're making all their money. That's, that's the idea behind a, behind a dealership, mm-hmm. you know, is to, is that the service end is, is supporting it all essentially. 
Yeah. So you should have you, you should have picked the worst product to sell them. I should have picked the worst product. Shoot. Should have. Shoot. Cut to you, you know, you're like on job sites, like cutting lines and stuff. It's like, I need this to break down. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll happily vandalize equipment for you. <laughs> I used to. Yeah. I used to. Yeah. No, it's like, it's so funny because you like, you know, you go on these equipment demos in front of these municipalities. They have like 30 people there. And, you know, you like, I, I tell my story and that story is fine. Mm-hmm. But like the conversation of like, I wish that it broke more or like, it doesn't break a lot. They're like, shut up. Yeah, yeah, We don't yeah. want to hear that. It's not very bad. Bro- yeah. The last guy said that. <laughs> You're like, and no, I'm this like, is bad for but me. But this is true. <laughs> <laughs> I've experienced it, I promise. Uh-huh. So, yeah, careful there with my with my wording. What's the what's the spiel you give when you're giving a demo? How does a demo even work? Because like, like, like you said, you're selling mostly to municipalities. So that's someone from like city of Charlotte or whatever it is. They're yeah. government, yeah. government people. Yeah. How does that work? So literally drive up to the yard, park the big truck. We do like a 10 minute walk around and then we go out and work the truck. So I normally have a guy with me that has a CDL I'm really fortunate. I have, um, well, all of my product lines have an RSM that are kind of like responsible for dealers, right? And so they'll come out and help with demos, drive the trucks. Most of my guys have CDLs, like Eric Smith, is, he's with Gatvax. He's my RSM um, and does a great job, by the way. And yeah, we go out, we do a 10 or 20 minute walk around with mechanics, fleet guys, bosses, operators, all the things. And, um, yeah. yeah. You get kind of, it, 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 I like the municipal world for this reason and that they do involve kind of everybody in the spectrum in that buying decision. It, it comes down to whoever's actually making that decision at the end of the day. But most contractors, for example, it's the equipment manager or it's the owner of the company saying, yeah, yeah we're just going to, based on most yeah. of the time, whatever good deal they get, yeah, they don't, they, I wish they would talk to their operators a little bit more about, mm-hmm. hey, what equipment is best out here? Because they'd be way better off, in my opinion. Um, but the government, to give them a bone, to throw them a bone, they actually kind of do that. They do. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely a mix of that. I mean, for me, like I'm so used to the contractor mindset where I'm like, I, I know how to make sense of this truck for them. Yeah. And they're like, you know, they're looking at numbers on the back end. They're looking at how much they're paying for these trucks on the back end. You know, sometimes the municipalities get a budget and that's their number. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to meet their number. And that's the problem that you run into. Um, But yeah, I think that there's, you know, like the city of Charlotte, for instance, like I applaud them because they truly give their operators, you know, they let them out there. They're like, you know, tell us what you like about this. Tell us what you don't like about it. Um, and, and everybody is involved from top to bottom. Like there's not a demo as well, like on a, on a lighter note or on a different note. Um, there's not a demo that I'm not like, please bring the mechanics out. Sure. I need the mechanics to see these trucks. They're working on them all the time. And you got to remember too, like these guys are not, the mechanics for municipalities are not just working on vacuum trucks. They're working on everything, mm-hmm. you know, trash trucks. Oh God, woof. Like every, everything. And so if you don't have their eye, you know, you're, in my opinion, you're done for. So I make a pretty strong effort to have those guys out there. But it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, no, I, demo days are my favorite days. A, a thousand percent. Just couldn't be more excited to be out there demoing, no matter what piece of equipment, not just vacuum truck. Yeah. Oh, uh, you spend a lot of your time 
kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, it's like you're, you're hitting the streets, you're mm-hmm. hustling. Yeah. You're, you're, it feels like every time I look at your social media, shoot, she was just in Atlanta mm-hmm. and now she's in Charlotte and now she's in Nashville and now she's in Atlanta mm-hmm. and now she's in Nashville and now she's in Atlanta. Like <laughs> I, 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 I get around a lot, Yeah. but you are just on the road nonstop. It feels yeah. like nonstop. It's literally all I do. It's on to the next, like checking in on a customer, going to the next city. I mean, I have like sort of like North Carolina is probably my most saturated state for where I have the most equipment. Yeah. Um, but South Carolina has turned into a nice little spot. And now I have, whoa. Oh, that was a, a, a blast. <laughs> Every <next> time. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Thanks for uh, that advertisement for Jay Dunn. Yeah, there you go. They're the, Jay the, Dunn, The Jive Turkeys next door yeah. blasting and yeah. shaking this building apart. Yep. Yeah. You'd see some like mortar coming off the walls. Out yeah, there no, the it's, it's super cool. Thanks, guys. It's um, not even mm. slightly according to what you should be doing, but <laughs> we'll we'll just roll with it. <laughs> and oh, I didn't, I wasn't using their name before, but now it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, Jay Dunn. They're like they know Aaron is podcasting <laughs> uh-huh. right now. Yeah, <laughs> here's my advertisement. Not, not a fan. Probably so, every other podcast we do in here that happens. Oh yeah, it's like two or three times a day. Interesting. Yeah. I want to know what they're doing over there. Well, like specifically. No, poke your head over. It's look at the hole they're digging. It's unbelievably huge. Yeah. <laughs> All the way down to the river. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm amazing they don't have more groundwater in that hole. But Tennessee's just straight up rock. So anyway, you run around South Carolina's a good market. North Carolina's saturated. Yeah. Um state of Georgia is gonna be new for me. I think Gap. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this out loud. Surprise. No, no one listens <laughs> Surprise. to this. Surprise. <laughs> um, or at least my side of the industry, all the yellow iron people are like, who's this girl? Yeah. Um, but Georgia's going to be a new venture for me. I mean, I have, a, I had a nice little contractor base when I was in rentals, but municipalities will be completely new for me. Yeah. So it'll, that's a, a totally different market. But yeah, I mean, I, I bounce around everywhere. It's, I'm Field time is the best time, right? It's like if I'm not, I'm normally training people, going to visit customers, or doing demos. I very rarely get office time, which now has become very difficult. Got to have, yeah. got to have the office time, and I have a really, really hard time sitting there and like making myself do it. But you get to the point where you have to, and you know, granted, I have a good many people there to help me at this point, but you know. There's, there's never enough help for that side of it. It takes, and as the business grows, um, it, it's interesting how quickly your role can change. And it takes discipline too, because it's like, I like just being out in the field. And and for in lack of a better term, just fucking off. Yeah. I, oh, sure, go to a coal mine? Totally. I'd love yeah. to go to a coal mine. I would do that full time, no questions asked. Um, but a lot of problems start to happen if I just do that. So I've realized, hey, okay, you've been traveling for two weeks. Mm-hmm. You need to stay home for a you week have to. because you got another job, and mm-hmm. that job is actually running the company. Yeah, and I, I've I've tried to delegate as much as I can. So I don't. I, I do such a small. I probably do less of running the company today than ever before, which is super cool. But everything there's problems that happen if I'm on the road. Yeah, I mean, I I literally have to force myself to yeah. like stay in the office, go to the shop or stay at my at home office. It's 
totally necessary. It has mm-hmm. to happen working on the business, not in the business all the time. Do you get kind of itchy when you're having that office time? And it's like, ah, I gotta hit the road, gotta hit the road. I think it's just, it's how I'm wired. You're probably the same way. Like, I think that you get, like, you don't feel like you're actually doing anything unless you're in front of customers, unless you're, you know, out there, boots to the ground. And I think it's just, it's wired in me. Um, and, you know, <laughs> being able to say, okay, Anna, like this, you're actually doing good for your business <laughs> to sit in front of the computer and do all of this work and talk to accountants and do this and that and the other. Um, you, can't, you can't be out in the field all the time. Well, and even there's been this weird shift, especially the past year, where I'll spend time thinking and I'll feel super guilty about mm, it because it feels yeah. like I'm doing nothing. Yep. Um, but that is increasingly, a, a, it's a large and larger part of my job is just thinking, like, where do we need to go? What opportunities are we are we not focused on where we need to be focused? Right. How can we be more efficient? How can we serve people better? There's... And just ask questions about, hey, what are the what are the problems of this industry, and how can we actually apply our business to solve some of those problems? And it seems you're you're not you're not busy, you're not doing 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 doing. You're right. not, oh man, I just I did so much today. You're not crossing all these items off a list, but oftentimes you're creating more value for your business just sitting and thinking than doing. Well, it's, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, there's. I always say, and you know, I feel like in this industry, people are like, what, what are you talking about? But you got to stay creative, you know, like creativity comes in so many different forms and fashions. Like it's, it's not like, okay, like that color looks good on that wall over there. Like defining creativity is, is, you know, it's infinite what, how that's defined, especially in business. If you're not growing and stretching and being creative and and finding a a little different pocket over here to make this little pocket over here grow, then you're dead in the water. You know, like it's not going anywhere. Your business is not going to grow. You know, you can't do the same things every day. Like I'm in a totally different spot than what I thought I would be, you know, three years ago. And like, you know, there's, there's gratitude in that. And then there's also like, wow, like, this is how many times this business is going to change. And this is how many times I have to adapt and pivot just like COVID. You know, people are like, wow, you were, you're the, you're the little guy in the midst of COVID and you know, everybody's trying to survive and this is happening with supply chains and this and that and the other, like COVID was like a launch for me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like I got so excited, like it, it was so exciting to be out there and to be able to maneuver a little bit differently and, and sort of not compete with, with the same sort of people doing the same sort of things. I said, but a lot of those guys sat back on their heels. You know, these yeah. guys that are 50 years in business, they're like, oh, we're going to get that PO. I didn't know who I was. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, let's here's my time. Well, you I, know? I, uh, yeah, we, we talked to some folks at some, some of the big manufacturers. Yeah. They still haven't traveled yeah. in almost two years. It's insane. And we've been, we took six weeks off and maybe even less than six weeks and started May 1st, 2020 again, just full bore, full, full bore. Cause it's like, I can't afford to hang out at home. I, I, I eat what I kill. Mm. I need to go out and kill yeah. or else I don't eat. And more importantly, everybody I support, they don't eat either. And it's just, it's a different mentality. And, and, and you can, you can frame the whole COVID thing as, oh, poor me. Oh no. What are we going to do? Oh, there's so many obstacles. Or you can say, holy shit, this is one of the single biggest opportunities 
that I could have ever seen in business early on. And I am going to absolutely kill this thing to the best of my ability because I know everybody else is just hanging out and saying, oh, COVID this, COVID that, or, oh, you know, just, just excuse, excuse, excuse. And we said, no, 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 we're just going to, we're going to work twice, three times as hard as we were before, because I know everybody's hanging out. This is my opportunity to get way ahead of everybody. And it worked. It worked. That's exactly what we did. I, you know, twice as much, three times as much. I, I was out there, like even... Eric Smith, my RSM, that with Gapax, I keep referring to him, but he was like, "You're literally demoing like five times as much as my other dealers." Like, like, and I'm like, "Yeah, well, dude, you got, like the, here's like, your opportunity." I got to. You I know, have to. Yeah. Like, I was two years in business. Like, I like I, I had to, and you know, they were people were sitting back in their offices, bored. Like, they're like, "Hell yeah, please come in." You know, it wasn't sure. like they were masked up and like scared to death of everybody. I mean, sure, certain people were at home, but, you know, they were dying to get out in the field and do equipment yeah. demos, you know? Well, and, and, and like, pick me. All these people that uh, that serve the, the, the construction industry, municipalities, infrastructure, whatever it is, that hung out for two years and just sat in their offices at home, it's super, super tone deaf, in my opinion, because... How many of those people at the municipality stopped working? None. They didn't miss a single day. Toilets because, don't stop flushing. No, no, no. People didn't stop shitting while COVID happened. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I'm going to take a break using my toilet. Nope. While I'm at- no, no, no. It got worse. It got, it got worse. <laughs> there was an <laughs> It got worse. And, 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 and it's not like, you know, for the sake of, you know, infrastructure, all the coal miners we support, all the, all the power plants, all the airport construction went through the roof, road construction went through the roof, all of these critical, uh, all this critical infrastructure that our economy depends on every single day, none of that stopped at all. And so that's where, that's where I looked at, okay, hey, I need to support my business, but the industry hasn't stopped at all. And I, I need to keep pace with that. And I need to listen to what they're doing and what their needs are. It's, it's, it just, I don't understand how people just lived under their rock for two years in this world. I get it. Okay, you're at Silicon Valley. You are, you're at Google. It doesn't matter if you're at home or the office. That's fine. Yeah. But if you're supporting the critical infrastructure of the country, you, you didn't have stop. a choice. No. No. Nope. I also credit Ed Milet for this a little bit. <laughs> he got me all fired <laughs> up too. Yeah. Because he's like, now's the time. He was like, this is where entrepreneurs thrive. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> like, you can do this. And I'm like, okay, come yeah. on. All right, Ed, I kind of needed that talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was a little bit of him, too. <laughs> well, he gives he gives that talk, too, every year around this time. Yep. Holidays. Yep. Hey, everybody's Those hanging out. the good out. ones. <laughs> oh, it's the holidays. Or, yep. oh, I can have a little bit of this peppermint bark or whatever. <laughs> or I can just take a load off or this and that. And he's like, now's the time to get ahead while everybody's hanging out. And you think about it. Shit, yeah. There's mm-hmm. a there's a lot of value in that, yep. and then but 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 people like to be told, no no no, just chill, just just hey, you've been working like Anna, you've been working so hard all year, you've been doing great, just hang out for a little bit. That's not how it works. It's not how, but it makes people feel good. Oh yeah, no, I I should take a break. It like gives them permission to like sit back on. Once someone has permission to sit back on their heels, they're gonna do it. Yes. And so the people that are are sort of the in betweeners that are like, screw that, like no. here I come. It doesn't. It, I'm, and again, it goes back to like also being the little man and the new guy and like bobbing and weaving and 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 sort of keeping up. Like, 
you know, competitors are 50 and 30 and however many years old, like they're going to get the POs anyway. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, you know, getting what's falling off the trees. I'm just out there shaking them, seeing what I can get, <laughs> you know, and it, it works. <laughs> works. Well, and it's um, one of the things I've, I've studied over the past year or two in business is warfare. You might have actually been the one that told me about these books. Robert Greene. Robert Greene. <laughs> and he has, have you read the one War? I haven't read that one all the way through. Do Freaking, yeah. just just one of the most insightful books I've read, period. Yeah. It's He's incredible. It's a chore. Yeah. It's not some book you no. just pick up on a Saturday and have fun with. You have to like have had a cup of, a, like a million cups of coffee. I was going to say pot of coffee. Yeah. I couldn't get the word out. <laughs> it's like a three-month project. Uh, but a lot of it is, okay, if you're a small army going up a very well, you know, going up against a very well-equipped army, you can't just meet head on in the battlefield. It doesn't no, work that it way. It doesn't work that way. You need to find all of those little things and and those little advantages. That's right. And 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 grab a hold of them to yeah. give you the upper hand that that they don't necessarily have. So that's your your hard work, your speed, your agility, your ability to work through COVID. You Pivoting. didn't have to go to corporate for approval to, hey boss, can I go do this demo? It's like if you need to do it, you need to do it. You go do it. Yeah. Yep got to be able to pivot. I'm on his daily laws book right now, which is like a it literally quite literally it's a daily like sort of read, but it's good. It's good. I've only worked my way through like a month of it though. But he's he's impressive. Like I wish that I like you you have to read his stuff like multiple times to be able to consume it all. I mean, I don't think you can ever really consume it all, but you always learn from it obviously. Yeah. And it applies, but he's he's incredible. It is they're yeah, they're just really dense. Yeah. The amount of research he does. Well, it's like the historical references, right? You're like, yeah. oh God, yeah. King Henry. Like <laughs> I don't want to hear about well, King you, Henry. You but from, I get it. <laughs> it's like you go from King Henry to Charles Darwin to Adolf Hitler in a span of a chapter. And you're just like, Oh, like, dude, I, I did not pay attention in no, history I class. Need, I need yeah. I need to go back and reread that like thirty seven times. Uh-huh. Has uh social media helped you out? Because you're selling to the government. So you'd think it'd be pretty marginal. I mean, I I love the interaction of social media and like the attention that it gets. And I, I probably should be, actually, I know I should be on there a good bit more, should relative. Yeah. Um, as far as municipalities goes, no, on the like Instagram side, maybe LinkedIn a little bit. Um we're a little, we're a little behind even the construction side, the yellow iron guys on on social media. I'd like to change that. I mean, that's that's one thing too, you know, aside from boots on the ground style, you know, sales approach or whatever you want to call it, you know, growing the business. That's that's one side that I I would like to have my foot in the water a little bit more on, but you just don't I don't have as much time for that. Um It's definitely one of those things where you you can't just like add it on top of what you do at this point. Maybe mm. there was a time where you could. Yeah, in the beginning, but now it's it like, was like you have to carve out a space. Yeah. Something has to go. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that I enjoy more than like a good vacuum truck photo. Sure, mm. you know, like tell God, me about it. Just, yeah, you know, it really drives like, traffic. It really. You, <laughs> you you have some good photos. There's some good ones on there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I I just like I don't get enough of them. Like he was asking me for like a headshot earlier, like some sort of like shot of me, you know, working and I'm like, I don't take, I'm the only one that takes photos. Mm-hmm. No one takes photos of me, you know, so I, it's, I, I wish that there was someone who, you know, like a, a minion that I had that could be able to like 
create content around Equip more, like follow Peter around or follow Eric around. Yeah, you know, that's what I got to the point where I hired a minion, mm-hmm. Mr. Matt mm-hmm. Briscoe. God, I need a yeah. You need, you need a Matt Briscoe. It's yeah. just it's 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 amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I have to put up with his shit every time I travel. Yeah, but uh, he he puts out some pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know for sure he listens to these podcasts because he does. Going to the content, he has to listen to the podcast to take clips of some of the 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 rare points in which I say something mildly cohesive and intelligent. Yeah, he takes that out, puts it on the internet. People actually enjoy it. Boom, there it goes. Oh, and by the way, a minion is being called a minion is a compliment. So there you are, friend. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean it as a compliment and also not as a compliment. I mean Yeah, he wants he wants he wants Matt to know he's both valuable and beneath him. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like a, it's a passive compliment, but it makes you think a little bit. You're like, oh, I don't know if he what, what I don't do know if I want that? to be called a minion. <laughs> but I think it's great. Uh, yeah, it's it, this this summer too. He, he so he's he's like nineteen or twenty. He yeah, can't, he just turned twenty. He, he just turned twenty. He can't legally drink yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he has like this this life crisis where he's like, "Man, I just don't know if I'm doing enough for my career and this and that." And it's like <laughs> he's going to college full time and works yeah, here full time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt, shut the hell up. <laughs> like, you're, you're doing just fine, dude. God, society, like stop following. That's that's another thing. Stop, get off of Instagram. You're doing enough. You know, it's like, come on. It's, uh, I guess, something else I'm, I'm, uh, I wanted to talk to you about. There's a lot of uh, women in the industry. That's a whole big thing right now. And I've talked every, every time. I talk about it all the time because I still haven't quite figured it out yet. I'm like, how the fuck does this work? Um, because historically, not very many women in the industry. And in your world, probably, yeah, you're, you're Probably like a snow leopard. Um, uh, however, we have this workforce problem. And I mean, it's like, well, we're ignoring half the population, guys. Probably should think about this. I mean, I again, I don't know what I'm talking about, but to me, math checks out. Um, what's like, I don't know, what's your advice to to women getting into the industry? Has it ever even been a factor for you or have you just ignored it? Um. God, I could answer this question in like a bajillion different ways. We have, we have time. We can, we can um, do them all. Do all bajillion. Like, I think I like I sort of have to like step back in time a little bit. Like, I was brought up in the environment where like we were we were in the blue collar industry, the fertilizer plant industry. Like, I was with men all the time, every day. Like my like quote unquote brothers slash neighbors across the street like with them all the time, all of my best friends were men. So like, I just, I never saw that. And our, my parents never taught me to see the difference. Now they're clearly at 30 years old and, you know, working in the heavy equipment business and all the things that come along with that. Like there's a, yeah, there are struggles for sure. I think that when I first started out in this business, vacuum in the vacuum truck side, just like you, ha- you almost have to like know more than other people, and I and I mean that in the sense of like, hey, customer, um, like you're really good at what you do. I really want to learn what you do, mm-hmm. how you do it, because I don't know shit. Yeah, like being vulnerable, admitting to not knowing, admitting that like maybe yeah, I can't do all the things that a man does. Like let's be honest, like 
I, I can't go pick up that 500 pound water pump. Like somebody else got to go do that or machine, whatever. But yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of, you kind of have to do your research and know your shit a little bit more. That's just the nature of the beast. But, you know, it's like, to, and to me, this is, this, is, this is my experience. It's so fascinating. There's so many facets of it. There's so many problems that like get swept to the side that, you know, oh, this is the way we did it 30 years ago. We're going to do it the same. No, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't work that way. And if, and if, if you have a little bit of edge and you can, and you can deal with it a, a, a little bit, then, and you're curious, um, you can work your way through it. That's for sure. Like I, and again, I attached myself to people that I annoyed the heck out of. Like my mechanic down in Rock Hill um, with Vactigo, he was just a wealth of knowledge, but also one of those people that they keep it close to the chest. Mm-hmm. And you have to pester the shit out of them <laughs> to get information. But like when they finally see like, hey, like I know that you know more than me. You're super, super knowledgeable. You're, I mean, you could like, I want you to be my mentor. You compliment, I mean, you're, you're complimenting someone. Like mm-hmm. they want to, they ultimately want to tell you, you know, what they know. Sure. And I just literally spider monkeyed people. <laughs> like not a joke. Like Darren, like shout out to Darren for putting up with me for, for so many years, but I just spider monkeyed him. <laughs> it, it is interesting it's a, a dichotomy because you need to prove yourself. Mm. And hey, I'm not a total asshole. Mm. I I kind of know my way around. And mm. I've, I've had to do this too. You show up on site with a camera and they're automatically like, fuck you. You don't work nearly as hard as we do. You're not worth anything to me. And yeah. so you have to massage the, you have to, you have to drop a little bit of knowledge to indicate to them like, I know what's going on here. But then also there's that whole mm. curiosity side yep. in a and not in a drop in, the ego a little bit. You gotta you gotta yeah, drop the ego a not, little bit. Not in a disingenuous way, yeah. but it's it's you gotta massage their ego and hey, I I really don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Can, like what are you doing? Tell yeah. me about that. Yeah. It, it's it's a weird, it's a weird balance between those two things. Yeah. Cause they're they're at total opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, you're constantly proving yourself, but who's not constantly proving yourself? Like, I just, I certainly, like, it's it's tough for women. I mean, especially, like, you know, even for me, like, starting off early, like, the validity thing was, like, it was super challenging. You know, you have, you leave a company that you that you love and, and, and you know, you're with people that, you know, hold the same desires, goals, whatever, and, and are really passionate about that company. And you have all this external validation of, you know, people in your industry that mean a lot. And then you flip into a new business where, holy crap, like external validation doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a fine line. It's like, okay, let, where, where's the personal validation? Where's, okay, where's, where's the old Anna that started off this, you know, this many years ago and, and now has to, move her way forward with just like what she has in here, just the guts. And, and we're all the same, but there's no, you know, there's no gender difference there. Like it's just, but yeah, you know. It's probably quite, if, as long as you have the ability to, to deal with it up front, Mm. 
it's probably quite an advantage overall. Yeah. It, it, it's it, like right now, it's just a good time to get to the industry period. Mm-hmm. But to be a woman in the industry, if you can, if you know how to navigate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not, not to say it's like, well, you guys have a better, like, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Way more, way more difficult than, than just some dude. But it's probably, you can probably use it my, in a good way. So, um, uh, one of my mentors slash one of my like bigger customers, um, who basically like put me on the map. We were, he was my customer. They were my customer in rentals and and now with Aquip, like he's always like, I just feel like they listen to you more. Mm. And he was like, you know, get past the initial, like, okay, this is a woman and we rarely see women, whatever. He was like, you know, when, when you talk, people listen. And of course, I don't know. He, that's what he tells me, but I do think that there is an advantage of like, okay, shock factor. There's a woman who knows what she's talking about and we might ought to listen. (laughs) Like, or they're just curious <laughs> to see if she like knows what she's talking about. I think that they're that's yeah. that's an advantage. Yeah, yeah. Whether they're rooting for you or against you, yeah. either way, they're listening. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, they're, they're believe me, they're going in and they're like, Mm-mm, "Nope, you're not, you're not coming in here." And then they're like, "Oh shit, I have to listen to yeah. I? yeah." Or I'm gonna get the eye from from boss man in the background. So yeah, I have that to my advantage. Now there's man. The government side can be interesting because they really don't have, there's really not a lot of women over there. So that's, um, that can be a challenge sometimes for sure. Like they're, you know, sometimes the referral basis is, is, is sort of nice because they're like, okay, we, she's, she's done this. She's done Mm. that. Like we're welcoming, welcoming her in. And then you have like the new guys that are, you know, maybe smaller towns, smaller municipalities where, they're not getting a lot of attention and they're definitely not getting like women coming in there. So those can be tough situations. Are municipalities a little bit more archaic than contractors are? Yeah. Big time. Like, well, not, not big time. I mean, there are certain municipalities that have for sure made some serious advancements and are, you know, growing, you know, they realize that culture is now like, very important. Whereas before yeah. they were like, okay, hey, here's your government salary and here's your retirement plan. And like, you should be here for forever. And you see that a lot, but you certainly see them, them growing a little bit more. Contractors are, are certainly moving a little bit faster in that direction um, because they have to. Well, municipalities are going to have the same workforce problem mm. as everybody else is. That's right. It's, I, I uh, this isn't something I'll say very often, but uh, I was out in California, Southern California, mm-hmm. and I spent some time with LA County um, Sanitation, oh. and and they and 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 the guy over there, and and spent time with the equipment division, and, and David over there, incredibly, incredibly progressive and very, very impressive. Yeah. So okay, California, you guys banning your like leaf blowers and everything like that. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. But. The stuff they were doing was actually quite exciting and quite yeah. forward-thinking and quite yeah. progressive, and they were leveraging their position as the government um, in a very positive way. And they could do things that a contractor couldn't necessarily do from a cost standpoint right. quite yet. Um, from a uh, yeah, just from a from a just 
smart equipment management standpoint. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's like me as a kid, shoot, I would go to work for them because yeah. that's pretty exciting. There's, I mean, they have a lot of resources too. I mean, these big cities, these big municipalities, they have a ton of research, uh, you know, resources. And, you know, they go in and they do research. Like, I'm pretty sure LA sanitation has quite a bit of gap vaxes. And I think that was, I may be wrong here, um, but quite a bit of research on cost of ownership in comparison to like certain manufacturers with um, vacuum trucks and here on out, like not nozzle production, like yeah. whatever. They just, I mean, they have, those guys have a ton of resources. So, you know, you can't, and, you know, of course people want to test out their, their stuff on them. And, you know, ultimately we are out in the field in sort of a research and development in, environment and, you know, knowledge is power. Right. So, sure. but yeah, um, some of these bigger cities are, are super fortunate. Yeah. yeah, there. I guess there's different classes of municipalities yeah. too. It's like city of Charlotte. I'm sure, freaking loaded compared to the city of, I don't know, some some random town in South Carolina. Yeah, with no budget whatsoever, like Orangeburg. Orangeburg right. is actually a decent size. I'm so talking I, like real small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, I have a camera in Orangeburg. Shout out, <laughs> good old Orangeburg, good old South Carolina. Orangeburg. Yeah, uh-huh. they own a little Proteus little bot. Nice. Yeah, good folks down there. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, city of Charlotte is is so. I mean, they're so advanced, and you know, you go out and hang out with them in the field, and they're like, "Yeah, we we use this certain nozzle because." Like this, we, we we saw the most production here, and mm-hmm. we've studied you know this many, and this one was the one that produced this this many results, and um, you know like we're looking at this truck, and we see that you know we're spending this 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 and this and this, and this is under a, a project, like this tr- vacuum truck is under a project name, and we know how much we're losing, we know how much we're gaining, and then we have this truck over here. I mean, they they see everything, mm-hmm. they want to see everything, and again, they have the resources to do it. Um, so yeah, I mean. Well, they they become your R and D department. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, I you know I have five new nozzles that I want to come and test out. Can we go and put them in a acrylic pipe and look at the you know let's let's see what's up you know and you know they want to of course they want to sweet so, yeah. Um, if people want to find you online, see what the heck you do. Where do they go? Equipco.com and then Equipco for Instagram. So. Anna Johnson, Equipo on LinkedIn. Sweet. I also have Facebook too. Facebook. A- Equipco. Yeah, but you yeah. ever go on Facebook? No. Uh, no. No. I, I, I accidentally, I'll, I'll be on my phone and I'll accidentally hit the Facebook app sometimes and it'll take me to Facebook. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, I don't want to go to Facebook. Don't do no, it. God. <laughs> don't do it. I know. I, like, I always like end up deleting my Facebook app just because I'm like, oh, man, it just, the, just the interface is like so old and dated but but I have like 25 messages on my Equip account and I'm like oh no I forget that people are still on there I completely ignore it you would not believe the amount of Facebook messages the Builder page gets really? oh they're all they're all useless oh yeah yeah, I don't don't go on there but even my personal it'll be like one of my friend's moms will be like yeah I sent you I sent you a message on Facebook you're like hmm I'm I'm really sorry I didn't get back to you, but I don't I don't go on Facebook. I don't know what to tell you. But that's the weird thing about Facebook is you have all these, not like old, but like older than you know, past gen. Like my dad, yeah. for example, in his sixties, yeah. 
He's just living it up on Facebook. Yeah. But Instagram or anything like, no, 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 thank you. But I look at Facebook. I'm like, dude, Instagram is a hundred times simpler than Facebook. You, so much prettier. So much prettier. <laughs> you just scroll, you double tap. That's all you need to know. But then yep. you go to Facebook. It's this whole world that is very complex. I don't want anything to do with it. But yet, for whatever reason, they love it. They love it. They love it. Uh, I just, I don't get it. Not a big believer. Me either. Anyway, well, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you guys having me. I sure. did not expect it. So, <laughs> didn't expect appreciate it. it. When did you reach out? Maybe a month ago. Maybe yeah. Did he just reach out randomly? Like, Yeah, hey, he sent it to like my, my info email. And I like... Blame Aaron. That's the email infamous. he gave me. <laughs> really? I think so. Oh. I think it doesn't matter. Like a long time, I just made a list of like a lot of people. Like, hey, all of these people would be quite interesting for the podcast. Yeah. And there were plenty of like first name from Thanks. place. I'm like, I'm okay, honored. I need more information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm super honored. Seriously. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. Yeah.